Hello, and welcome to another installment of the Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. In any frontier community, medical standards are lax and codes of ethics often go by the wayside. Some of Malifaux's most talented and creative surgeons find willing experimental subjects among the city's desperate and downtrodden. Some say this has made Malifaux into a hotbed of medical breakthroughs. Others say it has created countless medical monstrosities. You be the judge. I hope you enjoy Allegro. Allegro, March Community Contest Winner, by Mike Wallace. Rain washed over the windows of Edgar Church's office, creating a low roar punctuated by claps of thunder. The room was unlit and silent, almost meditative, an eye of peace amidst the storm. Outside, the city of Malifaux stretched out in all directions, dark and deceptively serene. Lightning served only to deepen its shadows, and only a few windows glowed with inner light. Church thought he saw shapes moving in them. He wondered how many were human and how many were not. Such a cosmopolitan city, he thought with a smile. Some human, some not. Lightning flashed, and he caught his reflection in the window pane. A middle-aged man with a sharp-cut brown beard and pale green eyes He'd been balding since his twenties, and found it prudent to keep his pate shaved. Some of the nurses admitted it looked bald, and while he believed himself married to his work, he found their compliments flattering. His office was spartan and well-organised. No personal trappings aside from an imported oak desk. The shelves that lined the walls were filled with patient files and research texts. There was a knock at the door, Church exhaled and inhaled, allowing himself another heartbeat of silence. Come in, Matilda. The door creaked and a sliver of light slid over his desk. Sir. The nurse's voice was low, nervous. A pretty young woman, perhaps half Church's age, marred only by the black circles that hung under her eyes. She did not enter his office, instead flexing her fingers over the door handle like she might be pulled inside against her will. Is it time already? Church asked. He glanced at a tall, narrow grandfather clock near the door. My goodness. Thank you, Matilda. I'd almost fallen asleep. Matilda swallowed, nodded, and slipped out of the office. Church stood, stretching to work out any weariness in his bones. He smoothed down his hospital coat, buttoning it up to his neck, and stepped out of his office, shutting the door to symbolically trap his moment of peace inside. The hallways were lit with simple oil lanterns that bathed its drab grey walls with flickering light. Matilda was already hurrying away, head bowed. Church followed, putting his hands behind his back and humming the British grenadiers to himself. A hulking brute of a man, dressed in a sharp grey uniform that mimicked the colour of the walls, met them at a set of iron sliding doors, 
reinforced with sound-suppressing padding. Containment was written on the walls in white stencil. Reginald, how are you this evening? Church hummed. Doc Church, Miss Matilda. Reginald nodded to them. Operating room's ready and waiting your pleasure. Thank you. Reginald produced an iron key from his uniform and freed the lock with a loud click. Taking a handle in each meaty fist, he pulled the doors open to the sounds of bedlam. Screams, shouts, howls, laughter and sobs. The scratch of fingernails snapping on stone. The crack of teeth on iron bars. The wet tear of flesh being ripped. Muffled curses hissed through leather gags. The walls were three stories high, lined with iron doors and catwalks. The noise Church had come to accept would never cease in West Breach Asylum. Madness and misery were not silent partners, nor particularly cleanly. Blood, piss, rot, and the acrid stench of cleansing solvents, the stink of human suffering clung to the walls and made the air feel thick as fog. On earth, such pure madness was quite rare. Breachside, all too common. Church admitted to himself that if he'd put his imagination to it, and with enough test subjects, he could have found a way to bring them back to a lucid state. A combination of drugs and cranial surgery combined with arcane therapy, perhaps. Pity, he said with a half-smile. They left the containment cells behind and entered the observation wing. Here the sound dropped off to almost nothing behind more padded iron doors that Reginald dutifully opened for the doctor. The walls were made of glass, slanted at a 45-degree angle to grant an unobstructed view of the padded cells below. One cell contained a construct-human hybrid, little more than a torso grafted to a self-propelling wheelchair joined at the base of the spine where the fellow's legs would normally be. Another was seemingly empty. The floors and walls were splashed with blood and fecal matter that reached almost to the windows. As Church went by, he watched as tiny footprints appeared on the messy floor, forming a trail from one end of the cell to the other and then back again. Church shook his head. Young Geoffrey has been making a mess of himself again. I can have the hose brought up for a morning, Reginald promised. Please do. Past observation were the surgical theatres. Each featured a large metal table in the centre of a white tile room with observation windows above for assembled doctors to watch and learn from their experienced superiors. Reginald waved them to theatre number four. You be needing anything else, Doc? Please alert Dr. Falstaff in the tombs that we'll need some of his recruits ready. Miss Lydia has given us a one o'clock deadline. Reginald grunted an affirmative, then turned on Matilda, finger aimed at her chest. And Matilda, mind your music. One more like what happened a fortnight ago and I'll... Reginald, that's unnecessary, Church said. Matilda will be quite all right. The hulking orderly grunted again, then left back the way he had come. Matilda said nothing. Her hands shook and she squeezed her fingers to try and still them. Deep breaths, Church said. Calm blue oceans. She nodded, unable to look him in the eye. Well, it couldn't be helped. 
some human, some not, Church thought to himself. It brought a smile back to his face. He opened the doors to Theatre 4 and entered. Two figures waited within. One was a young child dressed in a loose blue smock. Her eyes were glossy and empty like that of a doll. She stared at nothing, and the only hint of movement came from the sway of her pale blonde hair as it swayed against her breast. Good evening, Miss Lydia, Church said. For come walking through the rain. Lydia said. Go ahead, Matilda, Church said. The nurse went to Lydia and hugged her almost desperately. Lydia did not react. Doctor, came a raspy voice from the second figure. This one was bound to the operating table with heavy leather straps. His body was covered from head to foot in a white sheet like a funeral shroud. Church pulled the sheet down to expose the man or not underneath. Good evening, Mr. Wilkes. He began to examine the man's face. Nose removed, ears removed, cheeks removed. Scalpel scars covered what remained of the skin. Canvas straps hid the eyes or absence of them. Yes, very good, Church said. No sign of infection. Now do you feel? Trapped, Wilkes said. His voice was pleading. Trapped, doctor. It holds me in. It won't let me go. Church nodded. Better, though, as it loosened its grip. A little, Wilkes admitted, but not enough. No, not quite yet, Church said. We'll begin with the lips tonight, shall we? Oh, oh yes, Wilkes said, shifting his weight towards Church. It was not a threatening gesture. Wilkes was his patient. Church was his doctor. There was nothing more sacred than such a pact. Matilda. The nurse managed to pull herself away from Lydia and pushed a nearby trolley over to Church's side. On top was a set of surgical tools of various types, polished to a silver shine. Thank you, Church said. Some music, if you please. You know Mr. Wilkes detests anaesthetics. No, no, feel it, I want to feel it. Wilkes moaned. Matilda winced her eyes darting to the sight of the man on the table. Doctor, I, I don't... Finish your performance, Church said, and I'll let you look after Lydia for a time, hmm? Would that soothe your nerves a little? Matilda glanced at Lydia, who stared at the wall. The nurse nodded eagerly, though her lips were curled into a grimace. Very good. An allegro, please. She went to a nearby cabinet and produced a violin. She held it to her chin for a moment, her shaking hands threatening to make a horrendous racket if gut touched string. She looked at Lydia, took a few calming breaths and began to play. There we are, Church said. Ready, Mr. Wilkes? Yes, yes. Church took up a scalpel, leaned over his patient and began to cut. Ah! Wilkes moaned. Why have you got us slogging through this gaff, Scar? Scarlet paused under the awning of a building out of the rain. She tipped her hat to glance up at the walls of West Breach Asylum, looking for any sign that this would be an easy job. 
no such omens presented themselves. We're here because the guild's thinking these docks are resurrectionists, get me? Scarlet turned to face her crew. Burke had been the one to speak up, scowling at her from under his soot-stained bowler. He, Franklin and Veronica, huddled under their dusters. So what? Burke asked. That's for the marshals to handle. I ain't heard of no bounties on it. That's a sweet part, ain't it? Scarlet asked. We go in real sneak-like and maybe make off with some evidence. We bring that to the guild and they'll pay hand over fist for it. My sis is a death marshal. Says they've been trying to get goods on this dock church for months. Burke shook his head. If the marshals couldn't pull it out of him, what makes you think we can? Scarlet glared at him. Stop thinking like a rotten coward. This'll be an earth walk, hear me? In and out faster than you in the sack, Burke. Burke growled, but Franklin and Veronica both chuckled. Fine, he said. Church glanced at the clock set on the wall. Plenty of time, he said to himself. He finished washing his scalpel and set it back on the trolley. I'm getting better at this. Matilda continued to play the violin, her eyes clenched shut. Lydia swayed a little, perhaps in beat to the allegro. Mr. Wilkes was gasping on the table, his breathing rapid and deep. All done, Mr. Wilkes, Church assured him. How do you feel? Re-I-Heal. re His words were breathless and ecstatic. Glad to hear it. You'll have some trouble pronouncing words. But what's a thing like language compared to a sound mind, hmm? When you're up for it, perhaps we'll set aside that bothersome tongue, hmm? Yeah, yeah. Lydia took a step forward. Matilda abruptly ended her music to put a hand on the girl, holding her still. Eyes white, wide and wary, Lydia said. Just in time, Church said. Mr. Wilkes, you've responded well to treatment so far. Would you be ready for another therapy session? Empty eye sockets turned to regard Dr. Church. Yeah, please. Scarlet pushed open a door labelled Patient Admittance. The lobby inside was dark and empty, no nurses or orderlies in sight. Strange, she thought. Shouldn't an asylum be ready to take in a crazy day or night? This feels wrong, Scar, Burke said. You're just nervous, Scarlet said. Come on, and keep it quiet. They moved into the hallways, hands hovering over sabres and six guns tucked away under their coats. The only sound was the din of rain on the roof and the occasional crack of thunder. Gas lanterns lit the way. Which way? Veronica piped up. The hospital keeps records in the staff wing. It's a good place to try, Scarlet said. I didn't come here to read, Franklin grumbled. You can't read, Veronica replied. Shut it, both of you. Follow me. They crept along up a set of stairs to a locked wooden door labelled records. Burke tested the door, then produced a pair of picks. One second. The door opened with a muted click, and the five slipped inside. Pitch blackness greeted them. Ron, some light, Scarlet said. Veronica cupped her hands together, 
breathing into them. A faint blue-white glow glimmered between her fingers. And when she opened them, a tiny ball of light like a miniature moon leapt from her fingers to float near the ceiling, moving in a slow circle around the room. Plenty of light for sneaking and a bit of reading. The record hall was a crowded space, large but filled with shelves that formed a kind of maze. Each shelf was almost two stories high, with sliding ladders set up to reach them. Okay, Scarlet said. Franklin, keep watch. The rest of you, we're looking for amputations, morgue reports, deaths. Anything that would tie to resurrectionist work. Let's find it and get out of here. And remember, be quiet. The group split up, leaving Franklin to watch the door. Scarlet wound her way around the aisles, eyes on the alphabetical categories listed with each shelf. Phrenology, lobotomy, exploratory surgery. She didn't understand what half the words meant, but the ones she did sent a shudder down her spine. She did her best to mask her footsteps, but someone was making an awful clack-clack-clack nearby. She frowned. Any noise could alert the guards in this place, and as much as she was prepared for a fight, she didn't want undue trouble. Gunning down a few orderlies to get some dirt on one doctor. The guild would never pay for something that hot. Hell, they'd probably arrest the four of them. Keep it down, Burke! She hissed into the dark. The clacking stopped, but came back when she took a step. Clack, clack, clack. Too quick to be a footstep, she realized. Every hair on her body stood up. Fingers twitching, she gripped her six-gun and drew it from its holster. Clack, clack, clack. Get out, her mind screamed at her. Get out now. Get everyone and run the... Someone exhaled behind her and she spun around, finger on the trigger. Veronica's hovering light glided overhead, illuminating a small child with wispy blonde hair and expressionless eyes. A patient, perhaps. Sweet stones, girl, Scarlet whispered, her fear draining somewhat. What are you doing out here? The girl's eyes focused on Scarlet's. Through the dark, through the red, Mr. Grin is out of bed. Scarlet frowned. What? Scar! Burke called from somewhere too far away. Come quick! A snarl rang out through the records hall, and Burke screamed. A wet snapping noise echoed through the hall. What's happening? Franklin called out from the door. The girl skipped away, vanishing around a corner. Scarlet went after her but halted in her tracks. Clack, clack, clack. The sound was right above her. She looked up, pistol raised. Clinging to the shelves was a man. He had to be more than seven feet tall, with long, spindly limbs, his body wrapped in a hospital gown. His face, oh God, his face. The flesh had been peeled and cut away. Ears, nose, lips and cheeks were just gone. His eyes, if he had eyes, were hidden behind a canvas strap. A perfect row of white teeth grinned down at her. The figure turned its head towards Scarlet, and she knew he, it, could see her. Clack, 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 went his teeth. Gunshots rang out again further away. The grinning man turned and crawled over the shelf like a spider, vanishing from view. More gunshots, Veronica screamed, and then her hovering light winked out. Scarlet stood frozen in place. 
she didn't hear anything else around her. No footsteps or breathing. After a few moments, her eyes adjusted, and she took a tentative step back the way she had come. Every footstep sounded like a beating war drum in her ears. Her heart hammered in her chest, and her breath started to come out in ragged gasps. But she forced herself forward towards the only escape she knew. From ahead came a new sound, the wet tear of flesh. Gun-leading, she came around a shelf and saw Franklin on the floor. His head rested at an impossible angle, and blood pooled around a fist-sized hole in his neck. His dead eyes stared up at her in silent shock. A pair of figures were hunched over Franklin, their arms bound in filthy straitjackets, their bare legs splashed with gore. Their heads were bound in canvas, in a manner similar to the grinning man, but they had been less mutilated. Scarlet watched as they took turns biting at Franklin's stomach, ripping at the softer parts of his flesh. One of them turned towards her, sniffing the air blindly. Scarlet aimed her six-gun and fired. The bullet tore through the man, creature never born whatever, leaving a neat little hole in his forehead and a bloody canyon in the back of his head. He fell back without a sound. Its companion howled and reared up, rushing at Scarlet like a rabid dog. Scarlet fired again and again, her screams echoing in her ears as the bullets tore through the jacketed madman. His body collided with hers and they fell in a tangle. Scarlet kept screaming, clubbing at the dead man's skull with the handle of her pistol and kicking the body aside. She scrambled on all fours and hurled herself out the door, tumbling down the steps as she went. When she hit the bottom, she spun onto her back, aiming her six-gun at the record's hall door, waiting for another one of those creatures to show itself. Tense seconds dripped by like water from a well spigot. Run, run, her mind cried, and finally her body answered. She pushed to her feet, barely recognising the pain shooting up and down her leg from a sprained knee. Adrenaline and fear pushed the pain away. She could live with a limp. She refused to die because of one. As she went, she dug into her duster, searching for extra bullets. Some clattered to the floor, but she ignored them. The others she hastily crammed into the revolver, feeling a surge of hope as she slammed the cylinder into place. The exit couldn't be far. A few more feet, around a corner, or was it back down that hallway? No, 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 she thought. Not lost, can't be lost. Don't be lost. She came around a corner and screamed. The hallway was dark, but she saw the tall, grinning man standing at the end of the corridor. Lightning bathed the hall with light, revealing the fresh blood coating his gown and hands and teeth. Clack, clack, clack. The little girl stood at his side, casually holding his hand, despite the blood that was running down his fingers over her skinny little arm. Dead or gremlin, man or beast, Mr. Grin will have his feast. The girl sang. The glee in her voice never touched her emotionless face. Mr. Grin let go of the little girl's hand. His head tilted to the side, like an animal considering some unusual sound. Clack, 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 went his teeth. Then he crouched low 
and leapt. Scarlet screamed, her revolver belching fire as the shape hurtled towards her. Lydia stood expressionless as Mr. Wilkes, Mr. Grin, worked. Scarlet's screams turned to whimpers, then to gurgles. Mr. Grin bit and ripped and pressed his fingers into still hot wounds, prying bones and grasping organs. Dr. Church seemed to melt out of the shadows, glancing at a pocket watch with an approving nod. Matilda, if you would. The shivering nurse could barely hold a solid note on her violin. Lydia reached up with her bloody hand to grasp Matilda's smock, leaving a tiny handprint on the fabric. Matilda's string work steadied somewhat, and tears streamed down her face as she played. Mr. Grin paused, his tongue lolling over Icor squeezed from something in his fists, like juice from an overripe fruit. He listened to Matilda's music. His breathing slowed, and his head began to sway with the rhythm. He calmly set the crushed heart back where he'd taken it. Church approached Mr. Grin and placed a comforting hand on his shoulder, careful not to touch all the blood. Mr. Grin leaned against the doctor, content as a well-bred hound. The surviving patients, those who had not been killed by the intruders, made their arrival. All were covered in blood, and one had been shot in the leg. The others kept close letting her lean on them for support. Church made a note to tend to her injuries as quickly as possible. I'm so proud of you, he cooed. All of you. I think you've made remarkable progress in your treatment tonight. Good. Mr. Grin sighed. He licked his teeth. Clack, clack, clack. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure.